This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title by Minerva Spencer, Outrageous. Die-hard romance fans are going to love how Minerva Spencer flips the script and weaves a tale where the heroine captures the hero and threatens to have her way with him as they race to the Scottish border. And while the road to the border is beset with danger, the hero's greatest challenge is to keep his hands and his heart from his mesmerizing captor. Outrageous is the second installment in The Rebels of the Tawn. It's a fast-paced story dazzling with action, unique settings, and forward-thinking characters. Full of wit and humor, Outrageous celebrates women who always dare to break the mold and go after their desires, from handsome hostage to unexpected suitor. You can find Outrageous by Minerva Spencer wherever books are sold. Find more at kensingtonbooks.com. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep, we collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is sex and ethical non-monogamy. How the fuck do you do it? Let's find out. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel, and you're listening to Kinda Dating. We're missing Aisha here today, but we have a great episode. Did you know you could be non-monogamous and not be a cheater? Yeah, relationships are ever-evolving, and society is becoming a little bit more open to new norms, including ethical non-monogamy. But what the fuck does that mean, and how do you not get jealous of sharing a partner? That's what I want to know, and that's what we're going to figure out. But before we get into it, remember, uh, please tell your friends to subscribe to this podcast wherever you guys get it, and leave us a five-star rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That helps us a lot. We're also on social media. Follow us at Kinda Dating across the board. Aisha is at Aisha Says Dance, and I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok. Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Oh, I also forgot we have a new kind of dating TikTok account. So we're at kind of dating there too. So follow us. Um, there's some fun little videos. We also have merch available. Did you know that? You can get a kind of dating notebook or an iPhone cover. Uh, whatever you want, get it from our store at tpublic.com. So check that out and support your podcast. All right. We are so excited to welcome intersectional sex and relationship writer, Gabrielle Smith. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. We're so excited to have you. This this topic comes up a lot, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people are are curious about it. But before we get into it, I we ask every guest the same question. Uh, single or in a relationship? Both. Okay, I like that's the first time. Explain, explain, can you? Well, okay, so, and we'll get into this, but, like, I am polyamorous, and the kind of polyamory that I choose to practice is called solo polyamory. So I essentially, like, consider myself my own primary partner. 
So I don't believe in hierarchical structures and I don't really have the desire or the need to live with a partner or any of those things you typically would do. Like I don't want to combine big accounts, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, but I still have a partner. So. Okay. You know. Got it. <laughs> or part, partner or partners. Um, right one official partner and I'm dating. Okay. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. So, I mean, you, you mentioned something right off the top, which is my, you know, leads to my first mm-hmm. question perfectly, which is like, there are so many different types, right? Mm-hmm. Of ethical non-monogamy, also known as ENM guys. So if we meant, if we say ENM, that's what we mean. Um, I mean, I think the big one that people know about is polyamory. Yeah. Uh, but that's not all that, that's not all the lifestyles within sort of ENM, right? Can you explain some of them? So ethical non-monogamy is just um, a non-monogamous relationship. And um, you we emphasize the ethical a lot or in, if you're reading... If you're reading research papers, it'll say consensual non-monogamy just to differentiate it from, say, like infidelity and cheating. Um, And to also, I guess, um, put some values on it, put some structure on it. But it's such a blanket term. So like you have what people would know as swingers, people who just go to parties and swap with their partner. And then there are some couples who are monogamish where it's like, they function as a monogamous couple, but maybe you go on vacation, you can do whatever you want. And then, yeah, then you go to the complete other side and you get polyamory where there are multiple intimate relationships. I was reading about a few others too, right? Mm-hmm. There's, um, and, and you're the expert. Mm-hmm. So uh, cuckolding? Yeah, I mean, cuckolding can be, I would cu- consider that like, more towards swinging or the monogamish mm-hmm. because it's fulfilling a fetish for sure. So it's like, and for listeners, that's like a couple who bring in a third party person and that person focuses on one of the partners mm-hmm. while the other watches. Mm-hmm. Um, hierarchical relationships. You sort of mentioned that like within sometimes um, polyamory, there is like the primary relationship, yeah. right? Uh and is that always the one that you started with or or does it sometimes shift? Uh, I think it's different for everybody because everybody practices in a different way. You know, some couples end up opening up and it doesn't work out for them. So they end up, say, switching primary partners or whatever. Essentially, like for people who adhere to pr- primary partnership, it's the person that you in theory wouldn't marry. It's the person you live with. You share finances and everything like that. And then secondary partners might not necessarily just have those attachments. You can still have intimate relationships with secondaries or depending on the structure, people don't. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are, I mean, there was one that I read and I was like, wow, how, how would anybody manage this? But it was, it was called Relationship Anarchy. Yeah, it probably sounds scarier than it is. But it's just um, the idea that, like, love is abundant and it's for everyone. And also, it's hard because it's a whole philosophy. Like, it's a text. Right. Um, but essentially, relationship anarchists don't differentiate, like, platonic and 
romantic connections or sexual connections. They go with each like friendship or relationship in general, um, case by case. So they kind of don't put those expectations on relationships and they don't weigh um, romantic relationships over platonic relationships um, automatically. Got it. And can you explain, there were last couple ones. So how is the, how, oh, poly, poly fidelity. Yes. So poly fidelity is what a lot of people probably see. It's like your triads, which are three people in a relationship or um, your quads, which are like two couples who choose to date. So polyfidelity is essentially multiple people in a closed circuit. So oh yes, you can't. So it's like you're. It would. They were probably perfect during a pandemic. It was like yeah. the pandemic bubble. Yeah. No. I mean, it definitely would have helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one, I think that people tend to sort of blanket into the whole the whole lifestyle is open relationships yeah that's just sort of the is that like a blanket term or or is that separate like a separate type of lifestyle uh well I mean I think purely open relationships people in the community understand as like just sexual but Mm -hmm. open relationships as a term technically it just means that you have sex with other people. So my partner is married. Technically, he has an open marriage, but um, I don't think they would identify as open because um, they identify as polyamorous for sure. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. And okay, so to me, it sounds like you guys need to communicate a lot. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a there are two common jokes, and it's about in the community and it's about talking people to death and um, having issues with calendars and scheduling. Cause those are usually uh, the um, <laughs> problems that arise. <laughs> well, that's what's so funny. Cause I always tell, I used to be like, I can't handle one fucking relationship. Mm-hmm. It would be so difficult to manage fucking multiple, just of like the time. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the way I would consider it is most people have, times to hang out with their friends and this and that. And some people just replace that time with their um, intimate partners as well as like, you just prioritize what you want and you figure it out. Um, I think most people don't go over to like two intimate relationships, like long-term relationships. And when you get to having like three partners, four partners, usually that's a sign that someone's overextending themselves because Yes, love is abundant, but there is only a finite amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and tell me about the, like, talking each other to death. That's funny. Because you guys have to, like, communicate everything, right? Like, how much do you tell somebody that you're with? And and is there sort of an unspoken understanding about, like, what if you double book somebody? Oh, I mean, I've been double booked before. But I Do guess, you get upset? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's happened like twice in my current relationship. And I made it abundantly clear that like that was unacceptable. But it was because my partner had three partners at the time and he was running a business. So he just was all over the place. Um, that is an example of overextending. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so 
essentially the communication really goes couple by couple. When I first started like polyamory, I, me and my partner, we were monogamous for, I would say a year. And then we decided to like start opening up. Um, and we practice don't ask, don't tell, which is mm-hmm. essentially kind of pretending or not really talking about the other people you see. And it didn't work out. <laughs> it kind of led us to like be dishonest with each other and lie about where we were and be afraid to bring up things. And mm-hmm. like it ultimately just overall didn't work out because that was like the choice we made. Now with my current partner, we talk about pretty much everything. Um, it's to a point where I don't really need to monitor him or track him or anything like that. I generally like know what he's doing. Like you would, I think with any partner, but um, for me, like if he goes on a date, like a, a date and he hasn't seen, like had sex with the girl yet, I'll be like, did you, did you guys bang? <laughs> but you know, that's usually yeah. how it goes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's so, I mean, it, it, cause you know, I think a lot of people have these like misconceptions in their head about, um, like, if you must be Paul, you must be fine with everything. But, like, there are still some rules, right? Like, yeah. And, and there's still boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you share what some of those, like, rules are and or unspoken rules, as you said? Um, and especially, like, how it relates to sex and safe sex. Yeah. I mean, so I urge people to not have rules. Because rules are kind of a determination of something that's restricting your partner. I suggest boundaries and agreements. So agreements usually look like, like you mentioned sexual health, like I'm fluid bonded with my partner and so is his wife. And so we all don't use condoms and we just get tested regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, Like every three months, I suggest polyamorous people, unless you're having a lot, a lot of sex, then you maybe you should do it more often. Um, but like, say if my partner were to have unprotected sex with somebody and not tell me, I would consider that cheating because that is like incredibly disloyal and puts me at risk. Right, 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 right. That's, that's good to know that there are, um, like that would still upset you. Cause yeah. you know, that idea that like, well, you, you wouldn't get jealous or upset or, or whatever. It's like, no, you're still human. And, and the idea is like, if somebody is not communicating mm-hmm. something with you, that's what makes it feel unethical. Yeah, it's more like the, your intentions and how you go about things. Like people claim to practice ethical non-monogamy, but they still have rules like a veto. And a veto is essentially like a other partner not involved in a relationship ending that relationship. And in my opinion, that's not ethical. Wait, so how, how does that work? What does that mean exactly? Like, So if let's look at a primary partnership, for example. Um, let's say it's a man and a woman and the guy starts dating a girl. Um, veto power would say like the man's primary partner could say, no, I don't want you to be in that relationship anymore. And if he agrees to veto power, then that relationship ends without the say of the additional person. Oh. Yeah. I get it. I've had it oh, happen that's to interesting. me. <laughs> really? Yeah, I dated. What happened? Well, I, I dated a couple for about a month, but it was a very like intense month. And inevitably we, in that whole month, we didn't really talk about like what was happening or what was going on. 
So then they had some issues arise and um, they decided to close. Well, mostly um, my female partner decided to close the uh, relationship. So I was just like, okay, well, didn't just didn't, didn't ask me how I feel here. I'll be fine, I guess. Which, like, it sucked and I got over it, but... um, And did they say it was because of, like, a veto thing? It was, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They didn't use the word veto, but it um, essentially was, like, one person thinks it's best to, like, close the relationship up while they work on some stuff. So we can't all see each other anymore. Yeah. And... Has that, like, okay, I have a bunch of questions. One, what sort of made you, I think a lot of people are exploring this, Mm -hmm. right? And I I, I know we have a lot of listeners who are thinking about this. And so what made you kind of want to to try out this lifestyle in the beginning so that people can sort of identify it within themselves if that's right for them or not? Well, I, I was really young. I, I read a fan fiction or something and there was a love triangle and the girl ended up picking both guys at the end. And I was like, hold on. This sounds better than every love triangle yeah. ever. So I kept that in the back of my mind and also I'm bisexual. So my attraction to like, all genders was pretty clear. Um, and my first relationship, I was like 17. So my partner was my first everything, like first kiss, first time I had sex, blah, blah, blah. Um, but a year and a half in, I kind of noticed I was looking at other people and I ended up like giving a guy my number at work. And I felt so bad about it. I told my partner and he was upset. But after that conversation, I tried to break up with him because I had proposed an open relationship before and he had told me no. But because I was breaking up with him, he decided to concede to the open relationship. So I wouldn't call that ethical <laughs> um, okay. because it's kind of under duress. But I mean, we were together for another year and a half and we just, you know, broke up because we were no longer compatible. Um, and then after that, I kind of dated around and just knew that like the idea of one partner forever didn't appeal to me Mm. um, for whatever reason. And so I met my other partner and we tried it and it didn't work out for us. And then I moved to New York and I met my current partner like right away. Nice. Mm -hmm. And uh, have you found it to be any more complicated than the regular monogamous relationship I mean relationships tend to be mm-hmm. work and complicated is there is it different well yeah it's different because for one there are no scripts that like show you how this should work out so for me and my partner we both believe we're like deeply committed to each other but we we can't get married if we wanted to um and there's still like some laws that would block us from say like you know hospital room visits and things like that so it's like oh really yeah because it usually tends to be only family um Uh, if the situations are dire so that's something that comes up sometimes sometimes like we haven't experienced that yet thankfully um but that's usually an issue and also it's like okay how do you express long-term commitment when you're probably not going to live with someone so it's like finding out those things but mm-hmm. on the downside of it, I mean, on backpedaling, essentially, 
we schedule a lot. Like we share calendars and that helps a lot. Um, and it's just like, if there's a problem, you, you express that. And it's just about being open and honest, honest with yourself and honest with your partner. Cause I think a lot of people don't, do the honest with yourself part, especially in monogamous relationships, because I, I, I like in monogamous relationships to like a contract. So you, you are in this contract until you both decide you no longer um, want to do this. And I mean, you can void the contract and by like cheating or doing all that. Um, but you have to like see this um, person you've chosen out all the way through you can't explore other options whereas like non-monogamy like it's more of like choosing to come to work every day I guess as Mm -hmm. opposed to um being locked in a job it's like freelancing (laughs) right right um so we like generally I mean I'm really lucky my whole like we call it the polycule and that's the word for kind of like the series of people you're connected through to through your relationships So like my polycule is like, we all get along really well and we all hang out. Like it's not, there's really nothing weird going on, but that's not the um, reality for a lot of people. What I practice is kitchen table polyamory. So it's essentially like you can sit around a kitchen with every table with everyone um, and like often have coffee and those things. Other people like practice parallel polyamory where those relationships the multiple relationships exist apart from each other. Um, it's like you design how you want it at the end of the day because there are no scripts. <laughs> There's right. nothing telling us what to do, which is good, but also it's like, well, what can I do? And that's why I started doing work because I wanted to like at least give people options and education on how can we like do better with this? What are the things we should be thinking about? How can we communicate better? How can we express our needs? Because I think a lot of people have trouble expressing their needs. Yeah. I mean, yes, humans Mm -hmm. (laughs) generally are not the best communicators Mm -hmm. and most of us are very avoidant Mm -hmm. uh, attachment style. So I feel like uh, it's, definitely requires a, a level of maturity. Yeah. Um, I think to participate. Um, what do you say to people when like they think, oh, well, you know, these people, they just want a polyamorous relationship because they're commitment phobes. Or um I mean, do you do you just sort of believe that people are not meant to be monogamous? Because you know, guys mm-hmm. tend to say this a lot too, right? Like guys sometimes use Mm-hmm. It is an excuse to say, oh, well, biologically, men are not meant to be monogamous. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, then it's fine for me to see somebody yeah. else. And it's like, no. Well, biologically, women aren't meant to be monogamous. Like the way, I mean, I, sh- I should say cis women, um, the way the vagina is constructed is literally to like suction out the most powerful sperm. <laughs> and yeah. the reason like people moan during like women especially moan during sex is to like it's an attraction method like to let the other males know that like you're getting some good good and you're available <laughs> for this so I I do think monogamy is not the natural choice for a lot of people I think it's the choice it's not a choice I should say 
it's presented as the only option. So I call that compulsory monogamy, Mm -hmm. which is just like that monogamy is your only option and that's it. And a lot of people don't fit into that box. So in terms of commitment phobes, I mean, my, my partner has been with his wife for 10 years <laughs> um, and I've been with him for like two years and I know many people who have long-term relationships in polyamory. It's not about fear of commitment. It's about the willingness to commit further. Because, mm. yeah, I mean, like for me, I know myself very well. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that I'm, I can get like jealous. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not good at sharing mm-hmm. and like, it would just fucking infuriate me, which is probably my, and, and I know that that's probably like my immaturity or, or my level of, of, uh, being able to, you know, be my, mm-hmm. my full open self. Um, but is that like, is there a place for both? Like, is there a place for, for all of it? I mean, I, I think that question and the way people word these questions a lot, like it's, everything's not black and white, you know, Mm -hmm. it's more like you're on a spectrum, you know, some days you're feeling insecure, some days you're not. So some days you're more likely to freak out about something else happening. And that's kind of how it goes here. Um, For me, I was never naturally a jealous person, Um, but Fighting jealousy and getting over it takes a lot of self-work because Mm -hmm. usually jealousy is like one of four things. It's either inherent possession. It's um, fear of missing out. (laughs) Like, oh, no, my partner's having a good time and I'm not there and I want to be there. Um, It's and then it's either insecurity with the relationship or insecurity in yourself. And most of the time it's that last one. People are insecure and jealousy is something that I think validates our insecurities because you feel those feelings rise when you get jealous and your instinct is to stamp them down and like be like, no, this has to end. The situation has to end. We're not encouraged to process it. And Mm -hmm. I think processing jealousy and the reasons why we react this way about certain things is really going to point towards our inherent insecurities and like encourage us to do that self-work and it's something I encourage monogamous people to do as well because if you feel secure in yourself you feel secure in your partnership there should be no worry that your partner is going to leave you or all of that Mm -hmm. um but it's still human right it's still Mm -hmm. a human quality like even in a non-monogamous relationship or like E&M People get jealous. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. I mean, especially in the beginning when people are doing that work. And um, I do a lot of like coaching and peer support sessions for people. We talk through their jealousy because, like I said, it kind of goes back to those insecurities. So for me, I mean, like I said, I, I never really have been a jealous person, but I have certainly felt insecure about certain things. Um, like, Let's just take an example like the pandemic. Me and my partner were functionally like monogamous <laughs> um, for a year. So he starts dating again. And I'm like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to feel because I've settled into this false sense of security. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't really have 
issues with it or feelings about it, but I am aware of the fact that I could still have a negative reaction because that's just what our brains do. Um, and I think when other people get jealous, they, at the end of the day, you just talk about it. You have to be able to bring those insecurities to your partner and be really honest with them. Um, I've been insecure about like my partner's partner, which is what we call a metamor. Um, and I just had to admit to him that like I was feeling insecure. Um, and just even saying that made me feel a lot better because I felt like that was heard and received and it like that feeling left my body because I processed it. Um, and that's where most people stop. <laughs> and so, so now do you feel like, cause you said that like now you don't feel as that kind of feeling with that person? No, 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 I don't really feel that way at all. Um, I mean, I think it's situational. Like what I, I, I have anxiety dreams a lot because I have an anxiety disorder, but essentially they often manifest in like my partner and I going to a party and him leaving me and spending all his time with someone else. Mm. So the reason that is an issue to me is because we came together, we're leaving together um, and like being sidelined. Mm. So that's something I wouldn't like, but I think we all have these, we find ways to work, it, work, work out with it. Um, right. Like I, one of my boundaries was I didn't want unsolicited sexual details about my partner with his other partner. Um, yeah, yeah. Because we were open with that stuff. And I was like, mm, this is making me uncomfortable. So like that was something that we put in order. Yeah. And that's what your boundaries are for, to maintain like those feelings that you can't control or that you're working on. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's, mm -hmm. that stuff is really good to know. I mean, um, why do you think, and maybe you already answered this, uh, does it seem at least that m more people are, are exploring this lifestyle now? Is it just, yeah. is it a phase? Is it a fad? Is it that people like finally know it exists? Well, I think one, you find it a lot more with, um, queer people, I think it's been pretty popular for a while for gay men to have like open sexual relationships. Yeah. Um, and also not every bisexual person like wants to be non-monogamous, but that is a way for a lot of bisexual people to explore all the sides of their sexuality. Um, but I think the pandemic especially caused a lot of people to reflect internally and think mm -hmm. about what they really want and really think like wait maybe I need to take a change mm. and like it's just like people were buying houses people got divorced but also people opened up their relationship yeah I'm very curious how the pen like it, it, you are much more um in the community so with your friends or maybe you like how did the pandemic affect a lot of um these relationship styles? I mean, it depended on how careful you were because some people were still going to play parties, like having underground things. And that's not, that wasn't safe. Um, my polycule, we like locked it down. Um, we hung out with like a few other friends 
who kind of like worked from home or had like low, low contact jobs and got tested frequently. Um, last summer, I started dating because we could at least meet outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing someone and he became my partner. And I was getting tested like every week to like make sure um, we were all safe. Yeah. So that was like a more extreme version of things. But some people just like stayed close their relationship for a while because it wasn't safe. Yeah. And and was that hard? It wasn't. For some people, it was hard, I think. Um, But you should be happy with the relationships you're in. It's just more of like you're losing an aspect of your social life. Mm. so how much people would miss going out for drinks with their friends it's the same way about going on dates it's like not having that novelty experience Mm. that we get from seeing new people or like pursuing new partnerships um my partner didn't date anyone during the pandemic and he was so excited after he got vaccinated that he could finally um reclaim this thing that he really loved doing and I could see the difference in like him being able to be around people because he's an extrovert and being able to go on dates. And it's just dating it brings is very interesting because it you meet new people that you would mm-hmm. ordinarily never talk to, especially if you're dating right. on the apps. So you're getting a glimpse into these different lives. And I think when you go on dates, you it's a more intimate level of connection than say meeting a friend for coffee. So for sure, I think, I mean, there's usually a little sexual element too. So yeah, yeah. That idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Um, the novels, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Novelty and the novelty of new sex is great for some people. Um, And like, I mean, me and my partner, we all, we still like love the idea of going to play parties and we would have threesomes and stuff like that. Um, But I feel like the sex aspect is a very small piece of it. Mm. It's more about like an emo. It's like a romantic or emotional connection with somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I think, and this is like a lot of people I've seen, like at least on the apps and stuff, is a lot of people are being more intentional about who they're choosing to be around in their partnerships and stuff like that. Um, I've yet to meet someone who was just like jumping around dating like that, like kind of was normal before. More people are going on dates and getting to know people as opposed to jumping into bed right away. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, been definitely a trend in the pandemic, that sort of uh, slow burn kind of love where you're getting to know people first. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the biggest myths related to, and maybe I asked some of those questions already, but are there any other sort of myths or, or just crazy things people tell you, like when you tell them you might identify as this? I mean, I definitely get the, oh, this seems like it's all about sex thing. And sex is a part of it, but it's not the main part of it. Like we're not having sex all the time. Um, most of the time we're talking to people or like having room, like cuddling or like that kind of intimacy. 
Um, so that's one. Also, like the misconception that non-monogamous people all have STDs. Um, oh. Yeah, statistically, that's not true. Non-monogamous people are more likely to use protection and get tests more often mm. than people who are, say, cheating on their partners. Yeah, and that's because we have care for the people that we're do having, like that we're. Basically, it's one thing to bring something home to yourself, but to bring something home to someone, that means consequences. So we're all pretty vigilant about that. Um, and another one is just that we don't really have deep relationships, that it's all surface level, um, which is also not true. Um, I, I think it's just all those myths that... Um, compulsory monogamy perpetuates like oh I've been told there's not enough time in the day or well you must not really love these people because when you're in love like you no longer have attraction to other people like this it's not true like oh yeah yeah (laughs) we we tell people that all the time on this podcast like it's not that you can still be with somebody and it's okay to be attracted to somebody Mm -hmm. else it's very normal it's just the idea of you know if you tell them honestly and you want to do something and you both agreed to it, you know, to act on that, then it's great. But it sucks when, you know, you didn't disclose that and then you acted on it. That's where the problem comes in. Exactly. It's all about communication. Like, I think everybody has a line that they don't want to cross and people just have different lines. Like, I... I encourage even people like who are in monogamous relationships to really understand their definitions of certain things because some people consider cheating like looking at amateur porn or like mm-hmm. nudes mm-hmm. or like looking at your ex-girlfriend's nudes whereas other people consider cheating like the actual act of having sex with somebody or creating a new relationship and a lot of people get into relationships not knowing that and also like people don't get into relationships with any intention. Like, oh, what do I want from this relationship? Where can this person fit in my life? And I think when you're non-monogamous, you do have to have more considerations of that because you're, you know, you're working with more people. So you're working with more emotions and more feelings. So you, you have to consider more possibilities. Yeah, I've always had sort of the experience where I've had a couple guys, um, Yeah, one came to me later, uh, like five and a half months into our relationship and then said like, oh, I want an open relationship. I was like, I'm pretty sure we talked about this in the beginning and I wasn't really open to that. So I didn't feel comfortable that they brought it up later once we had already established more of a connection. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other one is that's it was a good point that you made about determining what what is considered cheating, because like. I was living with my ex. He cheated on me. But it was like the happy ending massages. Yeah. And and so on one end, he said like, oh, well, I didn't think that was cheating. And I said, oh, okay, that's cool. Then can I do that? And then he got like very angry. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wait. So clearly there's a difference. (laughs) There are different rules. Um, And that's what I have found is whenever I turn around and go, okay, then how about we do it my way or I also get it. Then like the, the conversation always turns like the, the ex who told me he wanted to open like five and a half months in, he told me once it was so funny. He was like, mm-hmm. I had a dream that 
we had a threesome and you wanted it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then he's like, so, I mean, I just feel like you might really enjoy this. And I said, <laughs> oh, okay. I said, well, yeah, I'm down if it's two guys. And then he's like, what? Yeah. Uh, and I was like, what? I mean, I'm telling you, you said it was for me and to make me happy. And I'm just telling you, this is what would make me happy if we were going to go this route. Yeah. Then it was like, no, I don't want to. And I was like, oh, well, then this is clearly just about you. Yeah. I mean, a lot of men like to just make it into that. Or a lot of people have what is called a one penis policy. Um, usually mm-hmm. when a bisexual woman's in a relationship with a heterosexual man. And he's like, oh, you can do whatever you want with women. But like, I can be the, I'm the only man you're dating. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's like biphobic because it's, Assuming that, like, a woman can't steal your girl, which she most certainly will. Um, (laughs) And, you know, just, like, downplays um, the relationships women have with each other. So people go back and forth with that a lot. Um, But That's that's probably the reason I question sometimes of the... Like, are we biologically meant to be monogamous or not? And and I don't refer it even back to females. I always refer it back to men because Mm -hmm. while men always say like, oh, they, you know, historically they were meant to share their seed. I'm like, yeah, but biologically you are also made 10 times more jealous than us. And so they are the ones who get more usually butthurt about you having somebody else um like you said the the i guess it's called the one dick yeah one, one penis policy ah there you go one penis yeah. policy i was like one dick i wouldn't <laughs> even say it's like biologically though it's just how we're socialized mm-hmm. um because you know obviously like you when you look at animals you see that they do have like territorial aspects and blah 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 but Men are socialized to think women belong to them. And when we look at the history of marriage, that that's what shows. And people often come to me um, saying that, like, I'm essentially destroying the sanctity of marriage, which is not true. Marriage was really never sacred. <laughs> it was, at first, about property. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, was yeah. to ensure patrilineal succession. So a man married a woman, and she wasn't allowed to do anything. Um, because she could be literally returned to her family. She could be tried for adultery. And it was just so a man made sure his things went to his kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see that so much. Um, A man could still commit adultery up until like the rise of the Roman Catholic Church. That was totally okay. Um, And even still after the Catholic Church. But the Catholic Church kind of enforced monogamy because divorce wasn't on the table. And I think that's how we get that now. Because when you look at pre-colonial societies, like in Africa or in North America, you see a lot of plural marriage. It's still very patriarchal, but it's just natural for people Mm. to have different styles of relationships. Yeah, to me, I'm very like, I don't think it's, destroying marriage at all like Mm -hmm. marriage is already a pretty destructive institution itself um and there's 50 percent divorce rate and that has nothing Mm -hmm. that's existed before 
uh, E&M. But, uh, but I also am like, you know, to each their own. Like, everybody has whatever the fuck works for them. And it's I just think it's the idea of communicating that and two people being on the same page. Um, like, I know where I stand on it, but, like, I don't judge anybody else. Like, I mm-hmm. told that ex before. I was like, oh... Like, if this is what you want, like, that's completely okay. It just won't be with me, but that's completely fine. Like, I wasn't even upset. I was Mm -hmm. like, you should do what's right for you. And his thing was like, well, no, I want it with you. And I'm like, well, I'm saying I don't feel comfortable. So you have to, I'm, and you can't have your cake and eat it too. So you should live a fulfilled life. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, that became like the back and forth. And I was like, "I, I, I don't know what to tell you, but... Uh, and so now it's sort of a conversation I have like pretty like right away of like, what mm-hmm. are the boundaries? Wh- what are you open to and not open to? Um, so what do you recommend with that? Like when it comes to dating, like when when should people be telling a new partner uh, how they feel or how they might feel? Or do you mention it in a dating profile? I mean, I put on my dating profiles that I'm non-monogamous and then I like follow up with people if they don't mention it while I'm talking to them to make sure they know because I know it's a deal breaker for a lot of people and that's totally okay. Um, So it's definitely in my profile and, you know, I speak openly about having a partner because he's part of my life and so is his wife and like everybody like involved in our little circle. So to me, it's natural and I speak about it like it's normal because it's normal to me. Um, but I mean, you make a good point when it comes to what I call declaring your intentions. And I think so many more people should be having those conversations on the second or third date because it's just people end up like five months into a relationship. Like you said, realizing, oh, wait, this was never going to work out because we wanted completely different things. People end up in marriages and suddenly, oh, one person wants kids and one person doesn't. So like, we need to have these conversations. And I think people don't want to have the conversations because people are afraid of scaring off a partner, especially women. But at the end of the day, like it's to protect yourself and to not waste your time. And I think if like women, especially start seeing her time as like a commodity and our presence is like, And like, remember that, you know, there are so many fish in the sea. Like, this is not your only option. You will find the person that you want. Um, We'd be better off. And or you could enjoy being alone too. Like, there's nothing wrong with being single and having fun and, and, you know, doing your thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's helped a lot, like, to, to, uh, Again, because especially like the lines of cheating and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like what does one person consider okay and another doesn't, it's very important to talk it out now because I think there are so many different um, lifestyles and preferences mm-hmm. and and that's why I'm always like, oh, the truth in quotes because it's sort of, it's like what somebody else considers the truth. You know, yeah. it's a very personal thing sometimes. I wish it were more objective, but it's not. And so one person might consider kissing somebody else, cheating. Mm -hmm. Somebody else might go, oh, it's uh, having sex. Somebody might be like, oh, you went and had a happy ending massage. Like, Mm -hmm. that's cheating. You know, so, like, you have to figure out 
Or some people are like, you DM'd a girl on Instagram. That's cheating. Yeah. Um, like so people, people gotta like just be honest. Know what the boundaries are. Like what makes you uncomfortable and like where are you willing to draw the line? And I think also in terms of boundaries, we need to assert them for our like emotional safety as well. Like, um, you know, telling someone if you don't want them to text you all the time, like, hey, um, I'm not a big texter. Like, let's just make sure we always know when we're going to meet. Um, and like, don't feel bad if I don't text you in the middle of the day because I'm just, it's just not my thing. Or like making an agreement to like, oh, have a call at the end of the night. So like mm-hmm. finding those resolutions to problems. Because like those are questions I ask people up front. Like, um, like how often do you like to communicate with your partner? How often do you like to see a partner? Stuff like that. Because some people think like getting into a relationship or even like t- the talking phase means that you are hanging out every day. And other people yeah. are like once a week, once every two months, we're going to do once every two weeks, we're going to do this very slowly. So like no one's ever on the same page unless somebody talks about it. But I think people are also afraid to like demystify things. Mm-hmm. I've had someone once be like, well, when you do all this talking, does that make it not sexy? And I'm like, no, I feel, I can't feel like something is sexy until I feel secure. And when I feel secure and like, I understand the situation, I'm more likely to open up and like do all those things as opposed to if I don't know what's going on, I'm going to be worrying all the time. Yeah. And I I mean, that's a, a great segue to my question of like, how do you sort of keep it? the sex spicy if you're with 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 multiple people do you do you ever get in your head about it do people compare do you what what do you do is there I mean so for me like I think having sex with other people makes having sex with your like long-term partners better Mm. because you learn new things from people or like it just kind of like renews that like quote-unquote fire or like excitement for me at least like I tend to call my partner after every date I go on and I tell him um, like how it went and stuff. And like, I I mean, I used to have him pick me up from dates. Like um, we don't have those boundaries, but like I definitely have been in my head about other partners like he's had or something like that in the beginning because I didn't feel secure. Mm -hmm. And I think one of those things is Like, I always say, get to know your metamors. Like, just find out who they are. Just meet them. You don't have to be best friends. But it does demystify the person. And it turns them from, like, this idea that's, like, causing you harm to, like, you're like, oh, this is a real person. And I can see why my partner likes them. Mm. Um, That was my experience anyway. But, I mean, I think it's definitely happened before that, like, people have had sex with somebody outside of their relationship and been like, oh, wait, I'm having really bad sex in my relationship. Um, Yeah. So, you know. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Uh, You know, as we wrap this up, how how can people or or couples, if there are any couples listening, um, sort of start introducing this into their relationship if this is what they want? What, What are sort of the steps that people can take? Are there any resources? I mean, I'm a resource and like a bunch of people on um, Instagram also make content Um, like polyamorous while Asian is great, polyphilia, and we all do peer support to help people. 
um, figure out these things. But ultimately, like, it depends because if you're bringing it to your partner and you're afraid of it, I think a good way to start is, like, test the field. If you know anybody non-monogamous, ask your partner what they think about their situation. Um, Talk about fantasies that you might have. Is it a threesome? Like, things like that. To see how your partner is open to it. And then, like, really have that conversation. Um, I always urge couples, especially, to make sure their relationship is secure before Mm -hmm. you pursue this. Because if your relationship is not secure, which I've done before, um, you're really, it's going to end. Like, non-monogamy highlights all of the issues you already have because you're adding more people into the mix and you're adding like volatility. It's just like not having money will make you more stressed out, adding more people and changing your lifestyle and changing an entire way of thinking is going to stress you out. So like you have to make sure your relationship with your partner is good and your relationship with yourself is good. Now Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like fully complete work, but you need to feel secure in the fact that your partner loves you. They're not going to leave you and you're going to have to be okay with alone time and like yeah. kind of separating. Yeah. This is, this is all uh, really, really great information. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think we've asked a lot of questions here. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for that. You're not completely done. Uh, we have something called six questions. We ask every single guest the exact same six questions. Um, so here are yours. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. So this is kind of like rapid fire. So say it however, you know, don't think uh-huh. about it. Okay. Uh, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Um, hair. Mm. <laughs> you have really great hair. Thank um, you. What is one deal breaker? Um... Oh my God, a deal breaker. People who don't know how to communicate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what turns you on? Um, consistency when people have nice hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? My strength is definitely communication, but my weakness is um, anxiety. Mm. Happens to all of us. Yes. <laughs> uh, Gabrielle, what is love? What is love? Love is a feeling and a force that like can be really amazing for some people and it can be really scary for some people. But I think love is just like warm fuzzies. It's <laughs> <laughs> cute. Uh, my favorite question. Besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Um. Oh my God. Probably one of those fun questions. Yeah. Wow. Besides, I love you three words. Um, Because this has me thinking about this thing me and my partner were talking about. Somebody said um, monogamy is like your one person is like the sun and stars and moon. And then non monogamy is one person is your moon, one person is your sun, one person is your stars. So, like, to me, like, my partner said, you are my moon. But that's four words. <laughs> well, we can go, you're, you're my moon. You're my moon. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That was a very unique answer. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, Gabrielle, thank you so much for being on the show. How can everyone find you? 
Thank you for having me. I am on Instagram at by Gabrielle Smith, B-Y Gabrielle Smith. I am on Twitter at Gabrielle A. Smith. And my website is bygabriellesmith.com where you can see my writing and book peers for it session if you have more interest in non-monogamy. Yeah, guys, she has some great blog articles. Um, definitely check it out and follow her on Instagram. Uh, we have all of her links in the description of this uh, episode, so you can please, please follow her there. Um, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This was fun. And uh, <laughs> yay! And guys, uh, we're also on social media. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. Um, Aisha is also at Aisha Says Dance, and I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram. Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you could please tell a friend, rate and review this podcast wherever you get it, you know we'd be grateful. Also, send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kinda Dating is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Kinda Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Adam Pineless and Karina Uribe are producers. And Deanna Martinez is our graphic designer. Our opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti. And our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.